This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. There is a tendency for engineers, and I'm speaking as an engineer, we want to build. The problem is how do you maintain things? And will you build the features that your marketing team wants, but they're not sexy and they're not interesting? So you ever find yourself in the middle of one of those projects where you just go, man, I wish I could have seen how this would end up before we started this whole project? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have had a few situations like that. Yeah, I, I recently went through a huge replatforming for a product we did a classic build versus buy decision on early on. Okay, how'd that go? Well, I mean, this one was inevitable, but uh, we chose to buy while we built um, so we could start selling earlier and get some early product lessons and learnings in. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the end it was the right call, but when we went to transition over, 
Oh man, it was a, a process. Let me guess all sorts of stuff in retraining the team, like stuff related to processes. Like I bet imagine those were the challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's tough. And, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about today is that classic decision of build versus buy. The how and the why. Yeah, you just made that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, went a little off script, but I guess we could just roll with the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So before, you said the build versus buy decisions outcome was inevitable. Yeah, so the the choice was to build it ourselves and wait like six months before the software was ready or buy it and start selling to, to new customers um, who were ready to pay us. Okay, well, that sounds like a maybe even a straightforward, easy choice. Buying, it is cheaper up front, plus you get to start selling stuff right away. But it created a ton of manual processes very inefficient manual processes that we're now having to retrain the team on, which you know, it's it's difficult. That's true. Okay. Yeah. There is always a flip side to any decision like that. So we built and bought at the same time in order to take advantage of both uh, options. And now we're fully running on the custom software, which is great. So you talked with Jonathan Soares, who's the founder and CEO of Agency Labs, a bit about this, right? Yes. And actually, here he is. Typically, the argument for, for building something internally uh, is cost. I mean, that's the number one driver. If you have an organization that has a piece of software that they're licensing, and depending on the size of the organization, they could be paying millions of dollars in the annual licensing fees, um, and they're you know left with a, a product or platform that might not necessarily be 110% applicable to their overall needs. So that assessing uh, what their needs are, the cost of an ongoing licensing fee, and figuring out how much it would actually be to buy it um, and build their own um, would be, I guess, the you know initial argument. And then from there, figuring out all the features they would need to make it appealing uh, to justify not only the cost, but you know having some proprietary software they can leverage. So that's build. What about buy? Again, it really depends on the organization, who they want to be. You know, some organizations just don't want to be uh, technology-enabled or technology-driven companies. Um, you know, they're uh, a manufacturing company. You know, they just want to, you know, s- you know, focus on that vertical, and they have no business, nor do they want to. And you see that a lot of organizations that uh, are very self-aware and they value their focus and knowing what they don't know, um, and that's comfortable for them. Whereas other organizations are trying to compete um, and are looking for value adds in terms of uh, how to differentiate themselves from their uh, competitors and how to uh, differentiate themselves uh, in terms of talent and hiring. Uh, and that's a big driver for you know, building out um, you know, in comparison to just you know, keeping the status quo and, uh, and licensing something. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome back, Michael. Uh, back to what you were talking about before. So recognizing what isn't your core competency. 
that can be difficult to admit for organizations, but getting it right could actually save you a ton of time, money, and headache. Right. So core competency, you can think of it as something unique and important that a business can do strategically well. Okay. Let's break down what you just said. Okay. It's unique. That means competitors aren't doing it. Uh, important meaning like it's fundamental to helping the company generate sales and strategically well, uh, I'd say something that's difficult for competitors to copy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so if it doesn't fall into that definition, it's a point for buying for sure. Okay. And so let's talk about risk. What are the risks of getting this all wrong? That's a great question. I mean, besides your job, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's break that down. Uh, for build, it's usually a cost and implementation risk. Jonathan had a great story about a clothing brand that wanted to build a, like a tech-driven product. Um, and so they started scaling up this whole product team. Okay. I can see where this might be going. Yeah, so they started hiring and planning and building. It sounds like there's a but coming. Yeah, so one day they came to him and they said, you know what, we're just a clothing brand. Building a product internally, it's not our core competency. So then they outsourced it to a team that ended up building it, but without the burden of having additional employees on the payroll and building up a leadership team around a piece of their business that just wasn't a core competency. Yeah, you got it. You know, we as entrepreneurs and product people, we often fall victim to the shiny object syndrome. And when it strikes, we want to build it ourselves. It's exciting. It's fun. But... As entrepreneurs, um, we often get distracted by like shiny object syndrome and you want to be something. And the best advice that someone ever uh, gave to me was, you know, don't let your um, vision overshadow your purpose. Um, and understanding who you are today and where you want your organization to go is a defining moment um, for what decisions that need to be made. Yeah. So it's also a decision point where we need to take a step back and figure out, is it worth the distraction of building or should we just buy it? So what are those big risks when weighing a buy decision? And I think the biggest one is probably what you were describing earlier in the episode. An off-the-shelf solution might not be the perfect fit, or it might not grow with your team as you grow. So the less it fits with your process, the more manual and inefficient work that will need to be done to support. And all that inefficiency will hold you back from growth. The more a single employee has to do to keep the engine running, the less they can do to help build a new engine or you know something like that. Yeah, the more inefficiency you have, the more people you're going to need to hire in order to scale. And ultimately, the more you'll have to spend to run the organization and less profit you'll generate to reinvest in the future of the business. This is the issue I hit early on, right? But that's not always the case. Right. As products grow, it's often difficult to identify these issues up front. But with proper planning, you can evaluate what solutions are available on the market and see how well they fit into your vision for the product line. So what are some of the other factors that go into a decision like this? Well, there's the amount of specialized knowledge. Uh, the more specialized information needed, generally it decreases the allure of the choice to build because each piece of specialized information increases the risk associated with the build decision, unless you already have this specialized knowledge on your team. Good point. Okay, so how about triviality? As the size of the solution decreases, the appeal of the build option increases. The decision to buy provides less benefit uh, when an element is very small. 
Buying generally opens you up to more risk as you're now sharing your company data with a third party, which also isn't ideal. In these cases, building is more attractive because it's less risky. And we can't forget stability. As stability decreases, the pull of the buy option shrinks. Why is that? Well, think of an agency who does a lot of custom work for clients. All right, I'm with you. Yeah, hold that thought real quick because we actually need to get a word from our sponsors then. Okay, so we were at an agency who does a lot of custom work for clients. Right. Okay, so an off-the-shelf solution might solve some of their problems, but the more clients they bring in that have varying processes, the less and less buying makes sense because the solution becomes more and more inefficient. Gotcha. Okay, so one more. How about support? This is always a big one inside of organizations. Yeah, if you anticipate needing or wanting external support of the software or integration, the the appeal of buying increases. But the decision to buy becomes riskier if the support is in question, right? So if you're not sure you're going to get that support or maybe that company will go out of business if you hire an outside agency, then it becomes a huge risk. Or you build it internally and it requires extra bandwidth for your team to manage the internal inquiries. You've made their time less efficient. Right. Instead, you could be bugging someone else's team when issues come up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what did we learn today? Uh, To build and buy at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it worked out for me, but... (laughs) No, okay. But, well, let's look at all the pros and cons when you're looking to build and buy. Pull out that crystal ball. Or the magic eight ball, whatever. Sure, yeah. And see how far out you're able to anticipate and make the best decision you can with the information that you have. Yeah, and easier said than done, we should say. Yeah. All right, a huge thanks to Jonathan Soares of Agency Labs. If you want to learn more about their work, go to agencylabs.com. And we will see you right back here next week for more from Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.